Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, your abundant love and the many ways in which you show it to us. And today we're especially just um, in, uh, have grateful hearts for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Pour out your Spirit afresh upon us today, Lord. May you fill this house of worship, this household, Lord. May you fill every human heart that is here today. Now speak to us, Lord. It's in your name that we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So today is Pentecost Sunday, in case you missed the memo up until this point. Um, today is Pentecost Sunday. This is the day that concludes the 50 days of Easter. Uh, after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to uh, his disciples. He appeared to over 500 men and women, uh, revealing himself to him as the risen Lord. And last week, we celebrated Ascension Sunday, when Jesus ascends up into heaven. And in that moment, he tells his disciples, wait, wait in Jerusalem, because I am going to clothe you with power from on high. And that's precisely what we heard about this morning in this story, uh, this Pentecost, this beautiful Pentecost story. This is when the Holy Spirit is poured upon the church. Sometimes it's considered the birthday of the church. Uh, this is when um, he fills us with his breath and sends us out into mission to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God is here now, that we can enter into it, that we can experience it. So there's so many themes in this in Pentecost Sunday, right? Um, in fact, I was looking through previous uh, sermons and, uh, that I've preached on this, and it's, there's so many things. We could talk about uh, this, the mission of the church uh, being spread across the globe. We could talk about the gifts of the Spirit. There's so many things that we could talk about. Uh, this year, on this Sunday, what I want to focus on is the theme of baptism, because Peter stands up in his, Acts, uh, in, his, in his Pentecost sermon, and if we were to keep reading this passage, we would have heard these words. He stands up and he proclaims the story of Jesus, his death and resurrection. And out of that, the, 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 the Jews who are listening to that then say, well, what now are we supposed to do? And he responds by saying, repent and be baptized for the washing away of your sins. Repent and be baptized. Uh, we're, going to be practicing, we're going to be celebrating a baptism today as well, so I thought that this would be a good, um, good thing for us to focus in on today. So ours is a God of matter. He created this material universe, and he uses these things, the, the matter of this world, to communicate to us, to teach us, to shape us, to instruct us, even to impart his grace to us. This is how we experience and see in the, the love of God. In our circles, we like to say matter matters. Jesus uses the things of this, worth, of this earth to speak to us. In the Old Testament, we could look to the rainbow and look at its meaning. We could look to the burning bush and its meaning. We could look to the bronze serpent and what that meant. We could look to the waters of the Red Sea and how, you, how God used that to speak to his people. We could, talk, we could look at the blood of the lamb as well and what that says to the people. The most supreme example of God using matter to communicate to himself to us is the incarnation of his son, Jesus Christ. When we look at Jesus, we see God himself. That's what Jesus was saying in that gospel message this morning. When we see the son, we see the father. And we see him, we see his love on full display at the cross. Now, Jesus extends this ministry of matter to the church. 
He instructs, his, he instructs his disciples to communicate his grace to a lost and broken world by using things like bread and wine, water and fire and oil and all sorts of other things that we could talk about. So the waters of baptism are mysterious. They're beautiful and they're strong and they're powerful and they're significant. So there's three benefits that I want to point out here in baptism. Also, as a little aside, if you saw in your bulletin, uh, I labeled this as a homily, not as a sermon. And as Aaron said last week, a homily is a short sermon. Um, If that's a disappointment to some of you this morning, uh, I'll give you your money back at the end of the service. Uh, We can talk more then. (laughs) Um, But three benefits to baptism. So God's greatest gift to an undeserving humanity is his plan to unite us with his son, Jesus Christ. The greatest gift that God could give us is the plan to unite us in his son, Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel, which means good news, that's what the gospel is all about. It's reuniting us with himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And this took God thousands of years to prepare humanity for. He called a nation Israel. He gave them the law. He rescued them from an enslaved nation. He instructed them in how to... um, and how to form a sacrificial system. He, he gave them instructions for a temple. He gave them kings and prophets. All of this, preparing them for the arrival of himself, clothed in flesh, Jesus Christ. Through Israel, he gave humanity tools, language, and symbols to understand the way in which he would reunite men, women, and children to himself. The Apostle Paul makes this connection, specifically with baptism. He says that Just as the passage through the Red Sea was a baptism into Moses, so for Christian baptism, that is an entrance into Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to be baptized in the name of Christ. That's not a magic formula or something that we say. No, what we mean when we say that someone's baptized in the name of Christ is that they are united with Christ. They are sort of installed into the fellowship of God. They're able to participate in the life of Christ, in the character of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the joy of Christ, when you're baptized into the name of Christ. When you are baptized in the name of Christ, you are, you are united with the crucified and risen Christ. Let's think about that for a minute. United with the crucified and risen Christ. We're united with him in his death. That is, we receive the merits of his death. All that he accomplished in the death, when he when, when he put sin to death there on the cross and made a perfect atonement for all the sin of the world, we receive the merits of that, the value of that, the benefits of that. It's ours. But also, we're united in, in a life like his, in his resurrection like his. We get to experience the power of that resurrection, and we'll speak more to that. So, in fact, this first benefit is that you are united with God, and this is a mystery that you'll be exploring for the rest of this life and for all of your life to come. Do you realize that? The love of God is infinite, and so we will be spending an infinite time with him exploring what that love is like. Praise the Lord. So these next few benefits of baptism actually amplify some things that I just said, so I kind of tip my hand a little bit. So in baptism, there is a death. There's a death, and this is a benefit, tremendous benefit to us. In the book of Acts, if we were to keep reading, 
There's a moment when we start to see that there's this fear that starts to, to creep among the people of God because there's a certain man, Saul of Tarsus, who's hunting Christians. He's pursuing them. He's encouraging entire villages to come out and cast stones and kill Christians. So the Christians are terrified by this. They're rattled by it. One day, as Saul is traveling from one place to another, Jesus appears to him in a bright light, knocks him off of his horse, strikes him blind. And in that experience, Saul surrenders. <laughs> he, he, he bows before Christ. He recognizes him as the living God. His life is transformed in that instance. The life of this murderer is, is, murderer is transformed. And as he's lying there on the ground, wondering what in the world to make of this new reality that he finds himself in, Ananias, a disciple of the Lord Jesus, appears, um, stands there next to Saul, and says, rise, rise and be baptized, and wash away your sins. Baptism is the assurance of sins forgiven. You don't have to question whether or not your sins have been forgiven, because you've been baptized. The promises of God are instilled in that water, and as they pour over your head, you are assured that all those promises in the scriptures are applied to you. There is a death of that sin within us. Just as we bathe our bodies from the water of a faucet, so our souls are bathed from the water that comes from the side of Jesus Christ. These holy, beautiful, powerful, soul-cleansing waters. So in baptism, there is a death of the old ways of living, the death of sin and deception and, and division that plagues this world. All of these things are placed to death. They're sent down into the depths of not just this water, but the depths of the sea. All of them are plunged into the depths of the sea. Paul, who Saul, his name is changed to Paul, as he's writing words of comfort to the church, he says to them, he reminds them of these mysteries, saying, you are washed. You are washed. The defilement of sin no longer clings to you. It doesn't have power over you anymore. It's put to death because God says so. What's the third benefit of baptism? Well, some, there is a death, yes, but there's also a life that comes from this. John the Baptist, he says, I baptize you with water, but he, speaking of Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, a greater baptism. Which, by the way, Jesus commands us to baptize with water as well. Uh, that's, that's clear in Matthew 28. But the pouring out of water sacramentally dramatizes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's why in our tradition, we, I lift up this, this pitcher of water and pour it for everyone to see, to, to sacramentally uh, dramatize the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon, among us, his community. And that's why the candidate kneels before this and the water falls upon their head, just as those, those, flames of, those uh, tongues of flame are above their head uh, in the story that we just read. And that, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit um, falls upon the person. They go under the waters of the baptism as this water cleanses over them. The breath of God is given to the individual. The life of God is given to us. The Spirit of God is placed within us. Did you hear Jesus' words this morning? He says, I will ask the Father, and he will send it to you, a helper, a helper. 
And he says, and he will dwell with you. In fact, he will dwell within you. I don't think we totally understand what that means. The spirit of the eternal God is within us. Wow, that's incredible. That word that Jesus uses, helper, in the original language is a complicated one. The English word helper doesn't actually totally encapsulate everything that the the Greek word contains. It can also mean advocate. That is someone who pleads on your behalf. When you, don't have, when you yourself don't have the words to say or, or maybe you're, you're hindered in some sort of way or held back in some sort of way, the Holy Spirit inside of you is interceding on your behalf. He's your advocate. He's pleading for you and sometimes in words that you can't even understand. But also, the Holy Spirit is an assistant. He's, he's a guide. That is, he shows us the way. When we're confused, he illuminates our hearts and our imaginations in the way that we should go. But also, he's a counselor. He's that wise expert, the comforter, the one who comes around you and consoles you with eternal peace when everything in this world seems warlike and chaotic. We receive the consolation of the Holy Spirit. This is the spirit of Jesus that is at work in your hearts, giving you the abundant life that Jesus talks about and embodied. So friend, what anxieties plague you? What holds you back? Ask the Holy Spirit to bring you wise guidance. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring you comfort, to be a voice to you, a friend, a mentor. Do you have difficulty reading your Bibles, understanding the words that are in it? Ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate your heart. That's why Jesus calls him the Spirit of Truth. That is, he instructs to us the Holy Scriptures. Are there lies which fill your mind that imprison you, that hold you back. Ask the Spirit of Jesus to remind you that you belong to God the Father, that you are his child, that that is where your identity stems, not from any lies that you hear from the world or the devil. By the sacrament of holy baptism, you have the life of the Spirit of Jesus inside of you. So in our household... Uh, when someone has a baptism anniversary, we have this, um, this fun liturgy, fun, this beautiful liturgy that we found. It can be fun sometimes, too. Um, but we have this, this beautiful liturgy, and in fact, we've reprinted it uh, in this little booklet, which uh, you, can, you can get for free, uh, so maybe that'll compensate for the fact that you get a short sermon today. Um, but this is called Common Prayer in Common Places. It's a little booklet that we put together, and there's a baptism remembrance liturgy in this. Uh, that that you and your homes can pray with your loved ones. Uh, But it has this prayer. Listen to this. Some of you have been to our house for one of these. Um, But listen to this. This is said to the individual who you're honoring. On this day, you were washed in the waters of baptism. You were buried with Christ and raised with Christ. Do you hear that death and that life in there? The Holy Spirit came upon you. And you were declared a child of God, and you entered the family of Christ. We give thanks for your baptism and all the promises of God. And then listen to this. You never need to doubt that you are a beautiful and precious child of God. And notice that the merits of this, it's not because the baptized individual was able to say some magic prayer or do something. No, this is something that was declared over them, over you, over me. It was an act of the church at the command of Jesus Christ 
declaring spiritual realities. That's why you can't doubt that you are a child of God because the promises were fulfilled in that moment. So for those here who are not baptized, I pray that you would consider it. And I know that some of us are even talking and making plans about baptism right now, and I am so excited because we don't have to baptize just on days like this. I'm hoping that this will be a summer of baptisms. I hope that this would be a regular thing for our church. And we already do. We do baptisms a lot. But if you're kind of on the fence and wondering about these things, let's talk. Let's talk. May you come and enter into the waters. Oh, that every time we gathered as a church, there would be holy water poured over people as they entered into the sacrament of baptism. And for those here who are already baptized, cherish it cherish it. Contemplate it. Remind yourself of it. Martin Luther, the great reformer, every day before, when he would wake up before his feet hit the ground, he would cross himself as a way to remind himself that in his baptism, he was marked with the sign of the cross, reminding himself, I belong to Jesus, despite the, wor- the words of the devil. And it doesn't matter if you remember it or not. I think we as Americans uh, like to place an emphasis on that which we know and that which we remember. I can't remember what I had to eat for dinner a couple of nights ago. My wife was here at the first service, and and I had to apologize to her for that. Um, But my stomach remembers, and my stomach is very glad that I had a good dinner a couple of nights ago. You might not remember your baptism, but your soul remembers, and your soul is very glad. Your soul takes delight in that. That, it, that you belong to Christ. So may you cherish your baptism. May you contemplate the unity that you have with Jesus Christ. That in those waters your sins were washed away. And that your spiritual lungs are filled with the life of the Spirit of Christ himself. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, you are light and life. And these aren't just words that you spoke to us to make us feel good. But these are spiritual realities You commanded the church to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit with with water, to plunge them under water, Lord, as a sign of all of the promises that you have given to your people. So, Lord, I pray that you would comfort your people this morning by the presence of your Holy Spirit. May you speak to us, Lord. For those who are preparing for baptism, Lord, may you prepare their hearts to enter into these mysteries. For those who are still wondering as to um, whether or not to do this, Lord, may you compel them, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. May you let them know that by your grace, you can give them the assurance of sins forgiven and a home among your people, the redeemed people of God. Be with us now as we um, practice this, as we celebrate this, as we go into this. We ask all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.